This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. ER Vet on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Justine Lee, and I'm a board-certified emergency critical care specialist and toxicologist. Thank you for joining us. Today, we're excited to be talking to Dr. Shelby Reinstein, who's a board-certified ophthalmologist at the Veterinary Specialty and Emergency Center in Levittown, Pennsylvania. We'll bring her back right after these messages. Molly, here's your dinner. Zeus, that's not your food. Don't let that happen to your precious cat. Elevate your cat's eating experience with the Cat Tree Tray. The Cat Tree Tray keeps your cat's food off the floor and conveniently located on the cat tree. It's the perfect way to eat. It's a beautiful wrought iron tray that easily attaches to your cat tree and keeps dogs and other critters out of your cat's dish. A must for multi-pet households. There's a 6-inch tray for large bowls and a 4-inch tray for smaller bowls. Purchase your Cat Tree Tray today. Go right now to CatTreeTray.com. That's CatTreeTray.com. C-A-T-T-R-E-E-T-R-A-Y.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. All right. Welcome back. We're so excited to have Dr. Reinstein on. First of all, thank you so much for taking the time to be interviewed on ER Vet today. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. Now, I know you are one of very few, maybe 500 veterinary board certified ophthalmologists in the United States or in the world that currently practice today. And so I wanted to bring you on to talk about eye emergencies in dogs and cats. What are some of the biggest reasons that you see dogs and cats coming into the emergency room for ophthalmology emergencies? That's a good question. When people find out that eye doctors even exist for dogs and cats, they sort of chuckle and make a comment about, you know, do I fit them with eyeglasses, etc. But it is actually very common for dogs and cats to suffer from eye conditions. And I would say that of any of the conditions that our pets can suffer from, eye emergencies are quite common. And the eyeball is an organ where in most cases, it's probably smart to to have it looked at earlier rather than later. So whereas a scratch on the skin, you know, if it's not excessively bleeding, might be able to be dealt with the following day, a scratch on the eyeball can get worse minute by minute. And a lot of our patients are brought in for examination through our emergency service because either their veterinarian is not comfortable dealing with that situation or because it's Friday and the pet owners don't feel like they can wait until Monday. 
So I know certain breeds are more predisposed to eye emergencies, and these are oftentimes the breeds that have sort of those bulging eyeballs. What are some of the common emergencies you see with these brachiocephalic breeds? Exactly, Justine. I would say that the most common dog breeds that I see every day in clinical practice are dogs like Pugs, Chihuahuas, Boston Terriers, Shih Tzus. Like you said, all of the breeds that sort of have a smooshed in nose and subsequently very bulgy eyes. And it's that simple anatomical variation in the shape of their skull that puts them at such a hugely increased risk of damage to the eyes. Specifically, I would say that corneal ulceration is one of the most common conditions that I treat that really should be considered an emergency in almost any situation. Dogs can have damage occur to their cornea for a variety of reasons. They can be running through the backyard and a a stick can poke them. They can unfortunately get damage to their eyes during a dog fight or a situation where they have a, a vehicular accident like they're hit by a car. But we can also simply just see that these breeds with these bulging eyes are predisposed to not blinking well enough, not making enough tears. And so it doesn't always have to be that something poked them or that something scratched them. We can have dogs that come in with corneal ulcers that are are getting infected and getting a whole lot worse because the dog's eyes are simply too bulgy and they're not able to heal on their own. What are some other eye emergencies you see in cats? So cats are a whole different breed species, you know, no pun intended. The emergencies that I see in cats tend to be more of an infection problem that's simply not getting better. One of the most common things to cause an eye problem in a cat is a flare-up of feline herpes virus. And while the virus is very, very common and most cats in America are exposed to the virus, only certain cats will develop eye problems from this. But we can see very severe issues like conjunctivitis and bad corneal ulcers that can oftentimes lead to blindness or even, you know, needing to have the eye removed in our cat population. I also see very commonly some older cats that can have problems for example, like kidney disease. And it's really common in cats with kidney problems to develop high blood pressure. And the eye is one of the most common organs affected by having high blood pressure. So even though the pet parent may not know that their cat is having a spike in its blood pressure, what can happen is that if the blood pressure gets too high, it actually causes a retinal detachment. And suddenly the cat can no longer see. And this is generally a sudden onset acute situation. And so many times the the pet parent will bring their cat in for evaluation of, you know, they think they're going blind, their pupils are dilated, they're stumbling or falling off of things. And they come in to see the eye doctor because that's the most obvious concern. And then I'm able to determine with a few measurements and a few special pieces of equipment to examine the retina that this is that is what we're dealing with and that it's not just an eye problem, but rather their cat needs systemic medications for, for the high blood pressure or, you know, they may not even know that the cat has kidney disease. So the old verbiage, the eyes are the window to the soul is, is very true um, in veterinary medicine as well. And there are some diseases that I will diagnose very commonly, 
that involve the systemic body and not just the eyes, but that these people are bringing their pets in to see the eye doctor. Totally agree with you that eyes are the window to the body. So we always have to be aware as veterinarians to look at the whole picture to make sure we're not missing something else. Now, I oftentimes will have my friends and family text me at 2 a.m. because they don't want to go into the emergency room and they'll say, hey, my dog just you know, was playing rough with my cat and my cat scratched his eye. Do I really need to go into the emergency room? What's your typical recommendation? Because I always worry about the cornea or sort of the glass covering in the eye being severely damaged. Absolutely. The cornea, which, you know, as you said, is the, you know, window or the windshield of the eye is very commonly damaged. And my general thought is that, you know, and I say this to my clients is that eyes go bad very quickly, but they get better very slowly. And so oftentimes I don't recommend waiting even overnight or till through the weekend, unless I know for sure that this is a minor injury, because what can appear as a very quick scuffle with a cat and the dog yelps and is squinting his eye may actually have been a vision threatening injury. So oftentimes what I recommend is if a pet parent is looking at their pet and they see things like excessive squinting, so the dog or cat is keeping the eye completely held shut and won't allow you to easily open it and look at it. Or if there's a lot of swelling around the eye, sort of looks like they, you know, have a have a black eye, so puffiness of the eyelids. Or even if there's just a lot of excessive tearing, so it looks like their eyes watering a lot or they're forming any sort of, of eye discharge, eye boogers, if you will, the technical term. So if there's mucus or pus-like discharge, those are all symptoms that the eye is unhappy and that something has happened. You know, I oftentimes hear people say, oh, I saw them squinting and I saw the discharge and I was cleaning it off. I just thought it was allergies. And that's very common for us to hear during certain times of the year. But I think that in general, we should consider that things like allergies or a little piece of dust getting in the eye causing some irritation are fairly uncommon in our dogs and our cats. And if your pet is really holding the eye shut or pawing at it, the eye appears red. You know, when you lift the eyelid up, the eye looks very bloodshot. The membranes are red. Those are all symptoms that the eye is definitely irritated. And I always recommend getting in to see your veterinarian, or if they're not available, at least going to a 24-hour emergency hospital to have that evaluated. Because as I mentioned earlier, if it is a corneal ulcer and bacteria get to set in and start an infection in there, 24 to 48 hours can lead to very significant and vision and eyeball threatening situations. So I generally don't recommend waiting on the eyes. If you think that your pet is bothered um, and the eye looks abnormal and you're seeing any of those symptoms, my recommendation is always just have someone check it out. We'd rather have the good news that it's no big deal and it should be fine in a day or two than wait that day or two and and be faced with a much more uh, grave situation. Great information. That leads me to one point where people will often say, you know, my dog went in for an eye scratch last time and I still have this ointment from three years ago. Can I just go ahead and use it? Now, I know there's oftentimes, you know, five to 10 different types of eye medications we often use in the veterinary clinic, but why do we not just reach for an eye salve or eye ointment without going to a veterinarian? 
That's a great point. And it's uh, you must know me well, because it is one of my biggest pet peeves when people sort of self treat at home because it looks just like what happened last time. As I mentioned, a lot of these animals that are predisposed to getting eye problems may not just be getting the same problem over and over. So let's take a dog with dry eye, for example, that dog is probably going to require longer term treatment, lifelong treatment. And let's say that that pet parent forgets the ointment for a week or so. Okay, well, the eye is going to start to get irritated and maybe this dog develops a corneal ulcer, all right, from not having enough tears because it has dry eye. Well, they're going to start to see squinting and discharge and redness. And maybe the ointment that that person has was appropriate when the dog just had dry eye. But now that there's a corneal ulcer, that medication may be absolutely inappropriate. So for example, a medication that we use pretty often in dogs with dry eye contains a steroid. And steroids are awesome for the eye for certain situations because they're very powerful and they can really reduce inflammation and irritation. So some of that redness and that gunk. However, if there is a corneal ulcer present, a steroid medication for the eye is the worst possible choice because it's going to allow the bacteria to invade. It's going to prevent the immune system from being able to heal that area. So I say always, it's even if you're 100% sure that the exact same symptoms are there, it's always important to have a veterinarian look at it. And if they can give you the thumbs up to use the ointment that you have at home, if it's not expired and it's it's not dirty. And if it's the right thing, that's great. There's no need to purchase more medication, but don't just assume that your pet has the exact same issue and that that medication will be beneficial. I definitely see issues sometimes with people using the wrong medication because the symptoms looked similar. All right. Great information, Dr. Reinstein. Thank you so much. What about glaucoma? Do dogs and cats get glaucoma? Absolutely. Glaucoma is one of the leading causes of vision loss or blindness in dogs and is also quite common in cats. I think that the important thing about this condition or this disease is that because it is so prevalent in humans as well, that we really need to make sure to understand that while it's the same general problem, glaucoma in dogs and cats occurs for a very different reason, is basically a very different disease condition altogether when we look at and compare it to glaucoma in people. So glaucoma in people is very commonly sort of a familial or inherited condition, and your eye doctor may do a test and, and identify that you're at a risk for glaucoma. What glaucoma is, is basically an elevation in the pressure on the inside of the eye. And it can happen for a variety of reasons, but in people, it generally happens slowly over many, many years. And your eye doctor will be monitoring your eye pressure and examining the inside and the back of the eye to determine if you need medications or if we can continue to monitor. That's a very different situation than what we see in dogs. In dogs, glaucoma is almost always a very sudden or quickly developing condition where in people it takes place over years. In general, dogs can have the development of glaucoma overnight. And that's no joke. The one breed that is strongly predisposed is Cocker Spaniels. And I know many Cocker Spaniels 
who went to bed normal and who wake up with a very elevated eye pressure, loss of vision and pain. And glaucoma in the dog, when the pressure spikes very quickly, is a very painful condition. Thankfully, if you remember back to the symptoms that I described earlier, redness, squinting, tearing, pawing, that's what you're going to see with this situation. And so hopefully pet owners won't take that lightly and they'll get the dog in immediately. Glaucoma is one of those situations that if we can get a hold of that patient and get that disease treated quickly, we potentially can get the pressure under control in the eye and prevent or reduce the chance that that patient goes blind from glaucoma. Unfortunately, over time, vision loss is very common. But there are plenty of cases who, if we can get to them sooner rather than later and start pressure reducing medications, and usually these are just things like eye drops, and we can show that the patient is responding to those eye drops and get the pressure under control, oftentimes we can give these dogs, you know, months to years of vision that they otherwise wouldn't have had if their glaucoma wasn't treated. Great information, Dr. Einstein. We'll continue with a pretty scary topic coming back, blindness right after these messages from our sponsors. Does your dog itch, scratch, stink, or shed like crazy? Come to Dynavite for help. Order a 90-day supply of Dynavite. Everything we tried failed except the Dynavite. Pick up two bottles of Super Mega Fish Oil. Get the third bottle free. Packed with omega-3, DHA, and EPA fatty acids. Super Mega is great for your dog's immune system, healthy skin, and soft, shiny fur. Dogs love it. Try Super Omega Fish Oil. Buy two. Get one free. At Dynavite.com. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to ER Vet on Pet Life Radio. With us now is Dr. Shelby Reinstein, one of only approximately 500 practicing veterinary board certified ophthalmologists in the world. Thanks again for joining us. Now, I wanted to talk about a scary topic. And when I actually went to my human ophthalmologist, they told me they were in the ER earlier that week because of sudden blindness in their dog. Do you mind just talking a little bit about what causes sudden blindness? What are some of the underlying things we can do to treat it? Or if there's any treatment at all? And lastly, how do dogs get around if they're blind? All great questions, Justine. And yes, unfortunately, sudden blindness in dogs is very common. And I think it's important to recognize that there are a certain set of diseases that truly do manifest as an acute onset of vision loss, where the dog was normal and hours to days later, the dog is completely blind. There are also, however, some diseases which eventually cause vision loss and maybe are only just now being picked up by the pet parent. I don't have time to talk about all of the diseases that can eventually cause blindness, but as I mentioned, there are a couple that do truly cause a sudden onset of vision loss. There is a condition that we abbreviate SARDS, and that stands for Sudden Acquired 
retinal degeneration syndrome. And this syndrome is fairly poorly understood by all veterinary ophthalmologists at this point in time, but thankfully, a very large grant has been provided to all of the researchers looking at this condition, and our goal is to be able to identify the cause and potential therapies for this condition. A dog that is affected by SARDS essentially loses its vision over the course of many times days to weeks. We don't understand what the underlying cause is for the vision loss. What we do know is that there are a couple things that it is likely not. So we know that these dogs don't have an infection. We know these dogs don't have glaucoma. When we examine their eyes in the early phases, they actually look quite normal. For some reason, the retina, which is the nerve tissue that lives in the back of the eye, or the so-called film in the camera, suddenly stops working. So the cells that are responsible for perceiving the light and taking it to the brain and turning it into vision, those cells in the retina stop working. Unfortunately, there is no treatment for SARDS at the moment, but I always like to make sure that my pet parents who have a pet that I diagnose with SARDS understand a few things. Number one is that SARDS is not painful, which is awesome. There are plenty of blinding diseases in the dog that are painful, such as glaucoma. And I would much rather have my pet suffer from, if my dog is going to lose vision, this would be the disease I would choose because it is not a painful condition and it also is not a condition that requires lifelong therapy. Since we're unable to understand why the pet goes blind, we don't have a current therapy, these pets basically go on to live awesome very normal lives with just a little bit of an adjustment period. So no matter the cause of the vision loss in the dog, I think that there are a couple tips and tricks that pet parents should be aware of. Number one is that your dog isn't sad that there may be an adjustment period where your dog isn't as active as it used to be. It's not running down the yard after the ball, or it's not jumping from couch to couch, for example. And we as pet parents may interpret that decrease in activity as sadness, but I always make a little bit of a joke that, hey, your dog doesn't know that this isn't normal. Your dog doesn't know it's sick. Your dog doesn't know that its retina stopped working. So it's gonna go on and live its life just the way that it knows how to. So thankfully, the nose and our ears and our paw pads are much more effective method of navigation than really the eyes for most dogs. So these guys go on to live great lives. They'll eat normally. They'll even return to their normal activities of playing. Some tricks that I offer to pet parents is that they can get toys that make noises. So either are squeaky or crinkly or even ones that they can shove treats in. So like the Kong where you can put peanut butter or treats on the inside because those are ways for us to stimulate the other senses that our pet needs to heighten now that they've gone blind. It's also very important to make sure that our pets that do have either a decrease in vision or a complete loss of vision are safe. So some key areas to pay attention to in the house would be things like stairs. So if your pet is used to running up and down the stairs, you're going to have to work with them to get used to figuring out where the stairs are so that they don't tumble down them, for example. I do still feel like it's okay for them 
to relearn the stairs because my gosh, dogs are awesome. And you'll be surprised that in a couple of days to a couple of weeks, the dogs will have their bearings back and they'll be racing up and down the stairs. But in the earlier phases, when they're trying to figure things out, it is important to make sure that they're safe. Some of my clients choose to place baby gates at the bottom or the top of the stairs. For example, if your dog sleeps in bed with you upstairs, maybe closing off the stairwell at night would be appropriate while you're not there to watch the dog and make sure that they don't fall. Some other key areas outside of the house are things like ponds or pools. So even if your dog can swim very well, it is important to make sure that they can't just fall in the pool and maybe not be able to get out. So if they're not being directly supervised, it is important to ensure their safety and also out in the street. So understanding that your dog may be used to walking off leash down in your cul-de-sac or on your sidewalk, but if your pet has gone blind, it is very important to make sure that they're not not wandering in areas where they could get hurt, for example, by a car or by people walking up to them and not knowing they're blind. I think it's important that people, when you're taking a blind pet into public, that people are made aware because the nicest dog can turn and snap if it's startled, if they didn't know that someone was approaching them. So again, using things like noises, or things that smell good to let that dog know that you're nearby or that you want to pet them is very, very important. So those are just a couple of key areas to pay attention to if you happen to have a blind dog or if you know somebody that has a blind dog. It's important to ensure their safety and educate the people that are going to be working around them. But also remember that your dog isn't sad and that these pets can go on and live a very normal, awesome, happy, active life with just a little bit of an adjustment period. Thank you. Such fantastic information. So just one more time, top 10 signs that dog and cat owners need to look for when it comes to the eyeballs on when they need to go to the emergency vet, not even to their veterinarian the next day. So I would say top 10 signs would be squinting the eye, pawing at the eyes, excessive discharge, like anything that looks like pus or mucus, or even just excessive tearing, like a watery eye. If the eyelids are swollen, if the eyeball itself looks different, so for example, the membranes are red and bloodshot, or the inside of the eye looks cloudy or foggy, some eyes will develop a bluish haze, for example, if they have an infection or if they have glaucoma. Changes in vision are definitely something that should make you visit your emergency vet right away. Sometimes that's not as obvious if it's only one eye affected, but some dogs will bump into the wall when they turn on that side, or sometimes they're becoming more hesitant when walking around outside, um, leaving the comforts of their own home. I don't know if that's 10, but those are kind of my top signs to make you go visit your emergency vet if you're concerned about your pet's eye. Thank you so much. That's fantastic. You know, I will say a lot of veterinarians out there, especially including me, are intimidated by eyeballs because they're so unique. And again, like Dr. Reinstein said, when we see any type of injury, it can be quite devastating. So I know I'm very grateful to have board-certified veterinary ophthalmologists around. Well, that brings us to the end of today's show. Find me at drjustinelee.com, on Facebook at Dr. Justine Lee, or if you have any pet questions at drjustine at petliferadio.com. With that, we're out of time, but we wanted to give a huge shout out and thank you to Dr. Shelby Reinstein, a board-certified veterinary ophthalmologist at the Veterinary Specialty and Emergency Center in Levittown, Pennsylvania. Also, a huge thank you to Mark Winter, our producer, for making this show possible. See you at the next episode. Let's Talk Pets. 
every week on demand only on PetLifeRadio.com.